Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. Incredible, incredible. God took a tree farm, turned it into holy ground this week. Um, Over 200 under-resourced children uh, were fed every day, were served every day, were shown and taught the love of Jesus every day. And just uh, as an illustration, I mean, some of these kids came out of the inner city for the first time to be out in the country. And one little boy, six years old, at the, on the last day was going around asking if he could have the leftover food because he knew that there would be no food in his house over the weekend. And I want to thank you. Your generosity and a love offering, uh, 1st of June, uh, $10,000 was given to help underwrite the expenses of this camp for those 200 kids. In, in, a, in addition uh, to your gracious generosity, we had enough, I shouldn't say we, I go out and watch and pray, uh, I don't do anything, uh, but those children were well served by just the right number of volunteers to make the week happen. And so all of you that volunteered, I thank God for you. I know it's your best week of the year. Yeah. Hey, in your, in your brochure is our 100-day challenge for generosity. If you've never uh, given anything to the Lord ever, I'd like for you to take up the challenge to test God for 100 days. Um, maybe you've been giving and feel like you're at your limit gener- in terms of generosity. I'd like for you to consider going beyond, maybe going to do what the Bible says uh, about your resources in terms of the first 10% of your income belonging uh, to the Lord. Um, but if you'd fill that out, um, I'm going to ask you to uh, share it with us today. Um, maybe I'll just have you put it in my hand at the end of our service, but I am incredibly smelly. If I don't sweat, I, it's not even real preaching, so I must really be preaching today because I stink. Um, I'd like for you to pray with me about this message, if you'd bow with me, please. Our Father and our God, here's the deal, Father. We want to hear from you. I have nothing special to say. I don't know anything unique, but I know you, and you're a good God, and you know exactly the condition of every heart in this room, every need in this room, and I ask that you deliver big time to help every person to bring hope to every person, to be peace and joy to every person in this room. Show us your big rescue plan in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to greet those who are watching online. We love you guys. Uh, If you're here for the first time, first time in a long time, we are delighted to have you with us. And here's what I believe about everybody online or here in person. You are not here. You are not watching by chance or whim or coincidence. I believe that God has so orchestrated and maneuvered in your life. He has arranged, he has drawn you to be in this moment. Because he wants to take your life and every aspect of your life to a new and more beautiful place. Here's how the Word of God says it. The psalmist said, God brought me out. So he's bringing out of something, out of some place, into a spacious place. Say spacious place. 
Oh, you are stinking awesome. You're my favorite person in this room. Yeah, you're welcome. I love you. Um, yeah, when, you, when God brings you out into a spacious place, he's taking you out of a place constricted, restrained, restricted. He's taking you to a place where you no longer feel trapped emotionally or financially or in a relationship. You no longer feel stuck, mired in mediocrity. He wants to bring you into a spacious place where you have freedom. Freedom in your home. <laughs> that means free from fighting. Freedom in your finances. Freedom in your emotions. Free to have joy and hope and peace. Ours is the God. Now, in order for him to get you to a spacious place, He's got he's to rescue you. And that's what the text goes on to say. God brought me out of a space, uh, brought me out into a spacious place. God rescued me because he delights in me. He sees you in your addiction and wants to rescue you into sobriety. He sees you in your relational struggles and wants to rescue you into health and love. He sees you in your emotional struggles, your mental struggles, and wants to deliver you to peace and joy and his life within you. And having said that, he wants to rescue you so that you are in this spacious place to live out God's dream for your life. You see, God has a rescue plan to get you into a place of joyous freedom. In fact, Jesus is just straight up about this. He wants to give you a warning that there is an evil force personally at work against you. Never takes a nap, never takes a vacation, never shows mercy. Satan is always against you to lie to you, to fill your heart and your head with his lies, to steal from you, to kill your hope, and to destroy your faith. Here's how Jesus warns. He said, the thief, that's Satan. Now, I believe in Satan because Jesus said that Satan is real. I believe in hell. It's a real place, and real people go there because Jesus taught more on hell than he did on heaven. Jesus calls Satan the thief, and the thief's purpose is to steal your joy, your hope, your peace, to kill your relationships, to destroy your life, your faith. Jesus, on the other end of the spectrum, if Satan is about death and destruction, taking from you, hurting you, I'm about helping you, giving you health, giving you hope, giving you freedom. I'm about life. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying. Now, that's three words in English, but when Jesus spoke it, he spoke in one Greek word, parisos, and it meant superabundant. Jesus said, the very reason I came to this planet, God in the flesh, was to point you to God and to put you in a position to receive the superabundant life that only God can give. Superabundant joy, superabundant, overflowing hope, superabundant love and peace, superabundant wisdom for all the hard decisions in life, superabundant strength so you can stand against and in the, in the face of whatever life throws at you. Superabundance in your parenting, superabundance in your friendship, superabundance in your marriage. And so I want to tell you before I show you 
that, that, that I've learned this simple rescue plan of God, and it starts in the book of Genesis, first book in the Bible. Now, we understand the principle of first mention. When something is mentioned first in the Bible, it does two things. It becomes the lens through which we understand it throughout the rest of the Bible, and it points to the ultimate rescue plan, Jesus crucified for our sins and risen victoriously from the dead. So, here's God's simple rescue plan that he presents in the opening pages of Scripture. It's called the 10, this is the way I learned it, the 10 plus 10 plus 80 equals 100%. Love the Lord with all, 100% of your heart. Trust God 100% in your life. The first 10 says give because the first 10 belongs to God. This is the first 10% of your income. You can't give it to God. It's already his. You can only bring it to him. And, you know, I've always, as I've raised my children, I want them to know, don't spend the first 10% of your income. That's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. The first 10%, Scripture says, is holy unto the Lord. And so what I believe, what I found in my life through the past 38 years, my Deb and I have made this our practice. We were in the ministry before that. I was a youth minister, an associate minister, but I did not give God the first 10% of my income. We came here to Beloit 38 years ago, first time to be the preacher. I knew it was in God's Word, and if I preach God's Word, i got to preach all of God's Word. And if I preach all of God's Word, i got to live all of God's Word. I'm not perfect. I'm screwed up. I'm a mess. I am flawed. I sin. But one thing uh, among many that I can get right is to bring the first 10% of my income to the Lord. And what I found, when I do, he, make work. he makes me stutter. He works miraculously in my life in my marriage, in my family, in my finances, so that every night when we talk to the Lord about this, we thank Him for our boys and their wives and and their children. My kids may not be perfect, but my grandkids are. Uh, We thank God for our daughter, Lovie, and her boyfriend. We pray His favor on their relationship and how good God has been to us. We do pray over our finances. We pray for my mom and dad. My dad is 91 years old, and he's been really sick for the last two weeks. My mom turned 87 yesterday. She's been really sick. She's better. Uh, My dad is not yet uh, over the hump. And so we cry out uh, their names before the Father, anticipating. We pray expectantly. We pray with hope because our God is good and because we know we do what we're supposed to with the first 10, that he's going to deliver and be faithful with his goodness to the other areas of our life. Now, the second 10 says save. The first 10 belongs to the Lord And when we're wise with our resources, we pay ourselves with the second 10% of our income. We take the second 10% of our income and we put it in a savings program and let it build and build and build. Sometimes emergencies happen. This week, Deb and I got uh, an unexpected, two bills unexpectedly for $1,500. Thank God it was there because through all these years, we've been saving. In fact, We were so committed to saving because pastors, at least in a non-denominational church, we don't have a pension. We don't have a retirement plan. we got to figure this out on our own, and this is the plan that I've worked, save 10% of our resources. So I was just so determined, man, I wanted to live 
debt-free. And at that time, I had five debts, a mortgage on my home, a second mortgage uh, on the same house, which is not real bright, uh, two car payments, and a credit card debt of thousands of dollars. And so I just hammered those things and hammered those things um, until we had everything paid off but the house. And we had saved money. We had, let's say we had $25,000 in saving from all these years. And we've been out of debt now for years and years and years. And that helps you know how old I am. But I took, I so wanted to get out of debt. All I owed on the house was another $22,000. And my last payment, I just gave the bank the whole $22,000. I wanted to be, you know, it depleted our savings. But that's, but now when we have no debt, man, we can just save and save and save and save. And God continues to bless and bless and bless and bless. Pay yourself. You work for it. You earned it. You deserve it. Set aside 10% of your income and grow your wealth. Now, the 80, <laughs> this is the test. It, seriously, it is not hard for me to give 10% of my income to the Lord. And I find it fun to watch my savings grow as I put 10% away. But where I've always screwed up in our finances, where I've always blown it, where I've made stupid mistakes, is in the 80. You know what? The 80 is a test. Live on the 80% of your income, but it's such a, for me, a hard test. And here's the reason why. Number one, I would get afraid. And when you are afraid, you just make matters worse. You panic, you make poor decisions, not just in your finances. You'll make poor decisions in your marriage. You'll make poor decisions in your parenting. You'll make poor decisions at your work or about your work. That was me. I would get afraid. Number two, it's not just fear. But we develop this scarcity mentality. We start to think, hey, I can't help you because if I help you, there's not enough for me. There's only a certain amount to go around. I can't give to you. I can't even give to God because there won't be enough for me, even though God's given me everything I have, even the breath I breathe. But that's a scarcity mentality, and it wrecks the test of the 80. And the third temptation that I faced, and I'm sure you have as well, is greed. I just wanted more, I wanted bigger, and I wanted better. So I would overspend and end up having to charge on a credit card, getting a second mortgage along with my mortgage, two car payments. Greed just destroys your efforts. You fail the test in the 80. And so when you, like me, what I figured out, if I ever feel like I don't have enough, if what I have is inadequate to my needs, you know what very well could be that Jesus is testing me in the 80% that if I'm smart, I live on. It's a test. It's a trust test. To illustrate, remember that miracle when Jesus fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people with a little boy's lunch. And we know there were 5,000 men. We don't know how many women and children that can't, the kids wouldn't stand still. But, but there were 15,000, 20,000 people. And all of a sudden, Jesus sees this huge crowd of people surging in his direction. He's up on a hillside. 
overlooking the Sea of Galilee. They've come from all over the region, near and far. Here's what the Word of God says. When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming, he said to Philip, one of his apostles, he said, Phil, dude, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? 7-Eleven. Jesus asked, asked him this only to test him. It's a test. It's a trust test because Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus already has in mind how he wants to bless your family, how he wants to show his favor at your work, how he wants to bless your marriage, your parenting, even your finances. He already has in mind the good things he wants to do in your life, and so he tests you. Now, to be real with you, Philip got a big F. He failed the test. Here's how he responds to Jesus. Philip said, well, even if we, we meaning the rest, him and the rest of the apostles, 12 guys, even if 12 men worked every day, every workday, now for months and one one of the versions says for eight months. If we all of us worked for eight months, we still wouldn't have enough money to feed these people. And one version of the Bible says one bite of bread. Well, Philip's not the only one who fails the test. You know what Philip does? He looks at what he can see on the outside, what is visible, and not what God can do that is invisible. He sees what's possible with one little boy's lunch and not God being capable of doing the impossible. Well, the other guy that blew it was Andrew. Another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up. He said, here, I found a little boy. He's got this like kid's meal from Long John Silver's. It's got like five of those hush puppies. And if it was me, I'd say there's four and eight, one of them. Um, Five bread rolls, two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Have you ever been there? I don't even have to close my eyes to see our dining room table at times when I would have our bills spread out around me, have our paychecks sitting beside me and say, well, I know that we've got this amount, but how far will it go among so many demands from creditors? That's where Andrew was. He got a big F. Here's what happened. Jesus had the people sit down. The people sat down, about 5,000 men, women and children in addition to that. And then Jesus took the bread in his hands. Here's an important lesson. As long as that meal was in the hands of the little boy, no miracles were going to happen. Even when the little boy puts that meal in the hands of the apostles, Andrew and Philip, no miracle was going to happen. Only when, when the struggle, when the inadequacy, when the impossibility got in the hands of Jesus and his thanks to God was a miracle even possible. So this is David having to put my marriage in the hands of Jesus. What does your word say, Lord Jesus? David, love your Debbie as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. My parenting in the hands of Jesus. Lord, I'm at my wit's end. I don't get these kids. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough patience. And then I put my children in the hands of God. And though they are adults now, um, God has done such a good work so that every night we just say, thank you, Jesus, for our boys. 
Thank you for their wives, their children, what you're doing in their lives, and now our daughter, the good work you're doing in Lovia. Um, Jesus took that bread in his hands and gave thanks. That is so huge. For, for me to take what little I have and begin to praise the Lord for what I have because it's my thanksgiving, it's my gratitude that he begins to miraculously multiply the inadequacy in my hands to meet all the demands and allow me to have abundance beside. So giving thanks, he gave it, the bread, to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish. And all, that means everybody, thousands, all thousands of them, ate as much as they wanted. It was like old country buffet, but just bread and fish. Oh, man, hush puppies on old country buffet, that would be awesome. See, here's the deal. In the little boy's hands, just a little. Matthew and, not Matthew, Andrew and Philip's hands, just a little. But in the hands of Jesus, a little is a lot when you get it in the hands of the Lord. Not just your money, but your marriage, but your friendships, but your emotions. What little bit of hope becomes more in the hands of Jesus. What little bit of peace becomes more than the hands of Jesus. That spacious place, that spacious place is stress-free. In a constricted place, when you feel like you're trapped and stuck, it is pressurized. You feel like you're overwhelmed, but when he brings you into a spacious place, rescues you as you follow his plan. It's like you're not overwhelmed anymore. You're overcoming in every aspect of life. So the, the, the text I wanted to use to teach this is from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. And the, the story's about a single mom um, who is destitute, worse than broke. She has nothing, next to nothing for she and her her, her child. I mean, her life started out, you know, fairly normal, like all of our lives did. And in fact, she fell in love, a man of her dreams, soulmate, and they got married and she got pregnant and she gave birth to a, a little boy. She has a son. But before that little boy gets to be much more than a toddler, maybe four or five years old, uh, her husband dies. And now she didn't just lose the love of her life. She lost her only source of income. In that culture at that time, women didn't have a means of employment. I mean, the only job a woman could have was not respectable. And who would take care of her son, even if she got that bad off? She's down to her last meal. She and her son are going to starve to death. She has no option. She has no help. She has no hope. At the very same time, you see what happened? There has been a severe famine come in this land, and there's just no food around. At the very same time, in the same famine-stricken land is a prophet of God named Elijah. And I believe that Elijah has just eaten his last meal. I mean, he's hungry. He's picking the crumbs out of his beard and off his robe. And I believe he's down on his knees saying, Lord, you know about this famine. Lord, I'm your man. Lord, I just ate my last meal. What am I going to do now for food? I got nothing, Lord. And I believe that God gave him a plan, and the plan was this. Go to Zarephath and find this single mom, a widow, and ask her for food, which sounds crazy. But Elijah is smart enough to call, not call God cray-cray, 
Elijah knows that God can be trusted 100%. And so what, he, what does he do? Here's what the Bible says. So Elijah went. He did what God said. He followed God's plan. He was going to get rescued. And when he came to Zarephath, the town gate there, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, would you please, man, it was a long, hard, hot walk. Would you pray, please bring me a little water in a jar so I can have a drink? Woman, she's tired. She's hungry. She didn't even say anything to him. She just turns from her errands and goes to get a glass of water. And while she is going to get it, he called out, oh, and by the way, would you bring me please a piece of bread? Two with jelly on it. (laughs) And put yourself in this woman's sandals. She's down to nothing. She has one, enough for one piece of bread for herself, one piece of bread for her son, and then the only alternative is they're going to starve to death. And she doesn't want to see her son die of starvation. She doesn't want to die of starvation. So she's going with her load of sticks. And when the prophet asked for her to give something, she didn't have to give. Ask her to do something out of what? I got nothing. I got enough for me, my son. That's it. She throws those sticks on the ground, turns on her heel, stomps back to the prophet, sticks her finger in his face, and says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a fire, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it, and then we're just going to starve it. That's all we got left. It's done over, over, we're up a crook without a paddle. Jack duck out of luck. Okay, that's all I got right now. <laughs> and, and so, to tell you the truth, here's the deal. Elijah was given a trust test. And he takes it, and he passes the test. God said, go to this woman. Seems crazy. But ask this, ask this widow who has nothing to give you something. And now, God is issuing a trust test through Elijah, directly to this young, single mom. And he sees her anger, and he sees her concern, and he sees her desperation, he says this, don't be afraid. Why? Because fear wrecks everything. Fear always makes matters worse, so don't go there. Don't go down the fear path. Don't be afraid. Instead, go home and do as you have said. But first, say first, that's the big deal word in this text because that's the first 10. Give to God first. And then, hey, do you want you to have enough adequate food for you, for your son? Not just for today, not just for the next meal, but for the foreseeable future. Here's what you do. Don't be afraid and first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself. Don't worry. It'll be there. Make it for your son. It'll be there for this is what the Lord says. This is not about how smart you are, how much, how hard you work as a woman, how diligent you are, that you're a fighter, that you're a survivor. No, 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 no. This is what the Lord says, did not what Oprah says or Dr. Phil. This is what the Lord says. That jar of flour will not be used up. That jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. Now, I want to break down for you 
Because God gives all of us trust tests. And when we pass the test, man, he delivers every time in abundance, super abundance. That's the promise of Jesus. And I guess maybe for yourself, you got to figure out if Jesus is a liar or he was just blowing smoke or he was messing with you or if he's telling the truth. So here are the three elements of passing every trust test with God. Number one, will you choose faith over fear? That's the decision this woman had to make. It's a decision I've had to make, and I I haven't always decided rightly. I'll be real with you. But when I have decided rightly, God is faithful with my little bit of faith. He is faithful to deliver. Number two, will you... Give to God first, trusting that God then will meet all your needs and more. Not U.S. cellular first, or the car payment first, or the heat bill first, or air conditioning bill. Or for me, deodorant bill, because I'm, don't give me a hug, be like hugging a frog today. Um, (laughs) Will you give God first? Because None of those entities can deliver to meet all your needs, only your loving, gracious, and extravagantly giving Heavenly Father. And number three, will you trust the promises of God? His Word is filled with thousands of promises, and you either either believe they're true or you live life your own way without the favor of the Father. You see, all those wills are there because It's always an act. Trusting is always an act of the will. Not trying. Trying never did anything. Trusting God is always an act of the will. So what do you think this woman is going to do? Is she going to stay with her fear or is she going to go with faith? She goes with faith. Here's what the Word of God says. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day. Every day was a miracle. Every meal was a miracle. Every day. Food for Elijah and the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with her ingenuity, her hard work. No, the word this is what delivers every time in accordance with the word of the Lord. So that night at supper, bread for Elijah, she, her son, Next morning, she thought it was all gone, but the next morning, God had resupplied the flour, the oil for breakfast. At lunch, there's plenty flour, oil for lunch. Supper time, which is what we poor people call the evening meal, you rich folks call it dinner. But at supper, another miracle. Well, they use up all the oil, all the flour, go to bed. Next day at breakfast, the God of resupply has resupplied their resources. You see, when we pass the trust test in faith and claiming the promises of God, God miraculously resupplies. That has been my life and my marriage for the last 38 years. He is an absolutely faithful God. So that the Apostle Paul would just shout out, my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious, not regular riches, not run-of-the-mill riches, but his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so there are four life lessons that I take away from this text. Number one, when our present, and that woman's present was painfully impossible, 
But when our present is painful, and maybe some of you have come with a painful right now, but when your present is painful, our God can be trusted. Number two, when our future is uncertain, does yours ever feel that way? You ever be afraid of tomorrow, confused about what's going to happen when our future is uncertain, our God can be trusted. Number three, when our faith is tested, our God can be trusted. And number four, when our resources are inadequate and whose haven't been at one time or another, that's when we trust God and he delivers multiplying, magnifying, making more. Uh, I, a couple of weeks ago in this series, I got an email from uh, a young lady in our church. I know that story of that single mom in the Bible. You say, well, hey, dude, that was like 3,000 years ago. Well, this is a modern mom. And she's brilliant, as you can see, as she writes me. Just kidding. Here's what she writes me. I just wanted to give you a, a huge thank you for being you. I can imagine that preaching a series on money and tithing is a real challenge. There have been times hearing a similar series when I was really not in a place mentally to make any changes. But to be honest, I just didn't want to hear it. But at this point in my life, I am so ready and willing to give up everything to God. This series is exactly what I need because it is where I struggle the most. I know that my struggle is due to the fact that I don't just let go and trust God. But you have led me to God's Word. I realize exactly what I'm going to start living. God's got this. Thank you so much for your bravery, obedience, and strength. I'm like, Who's she writing to? <laughs> Your bravery, obedience, and strength to preach the amazing Word of God and everything in it, not just the nice, fluffy stuff. Yeah. Hey. Uh, would you like to meet her? Brad and Tiffany Webb, would you come up with me, please? I'm really smelly. <laughs> I love you, Brad. Love you. Um, thank you guys for being willing to share your story. You know, the thing is, when you face a test as you have, you get a testimony. You were in the test, now you have a story to tell. And I've asked you before in our other services, but just for our church family, how long have you guys been coming to our church? Ten years. Ten years. You know, let me ask you, um, what, do you remember what brought you to our church in the first place? Was it your sister coming here? Your mom? Yeah, thank God. She showed up. And so you came ten years ago. When did you guys become Christ followers? Seven years ago. Okay, cool. And um, then at some point you began to give. Yep. And what, what was that like for you guys? Um, it was... Tough in the beginning um, because, uh, you know, I, I work hard for my money, and, right and that's the way I looked at it. Yeah. You know, it was my money, and mm. when you come to realize that it's all his money. <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, the truth. He, he, he gave me the abilities that he gave me, and, you mm. know, that's the reason why I'm able to do what I do. And, you know, it, it changes your perception of yes. what's, what's important. And, uh, you know, we were spread pretty thin at the beginning. And, um, you know, it, it helps you to look at all the aspects of your life and, mm. you know, 
where, where you need to take money away from to get that 10% and, right on. and start off there. I have a ton of respect for you, Brad. Ton of respect, man. I love you. Um, Tiffany, um, you, you mentioned in the email um, that you sent me um, that there were times when I've, you know, like once a year I do this, and you said you, your mind wasn't in the right place. What was your mindset in those earlier s- series uh, when you just didn't want to hear it? Well, like Brad had said, we work, you know, he, I don't work. I stay home with our babies. He works very, very hard for what we have. And in the beginning, like he said, we thought that it was ours. Um, coming from nothing, um, there were times in my past where I had no home. I would sleep in my car. Um, I would go months without electricity. Um, so then getting, having God place me into this lifestyle, or life, not lifestyle, life where things were comfortable, and I had a beautiful roof over my head, and I have an amazing husband, and we have, you know, cl- clean clothes and food to eat on a daily basis. Um, I didn't want to to give that. I needed that. That was, we had our bills and we had our things that we needed and that was that. Um, so once we started tithing, then I thought, we tithe. That's good. I got the rest. <laughs> um, you know, you, God can have his because that's what he says to do, but I, I got the rest. Um, and then you put these... Um, inserts in the bulletin and you're doing the series and my heart just opened and softened and I my eyes opened so much wider and I don't know what it was but I just looked at things so much more differently and more clearly and the first couple times I thought well I don't need to fill that out though because I tithe and God knows that and that's all that needs to be done but this is great and then Two weeks ago, I decided, well, I'll just fill it out just so, just so David knows I'm, I'm with him on this, you know, because this is a tough series because I know I haven't wanted to hear it. So I'm sure that there's somebody out there that doesn't want to hear it. No. They might not have came back because that's what we did. We would be like, okay, well, we're just going to wait till this series is over. Then we'll come back to church. But that's not how it works. You, you're supposed to be here every weekend. So anyways, back to it. I, I fill out the card and I bring it up to him and he gives me a big hug and he says, I love you, Tiffany. You are awesome, and God's got this. And it was like a light switch went off. Yes, God's got this. I don't need to take this. This has been the biggest stress of my life because I don't know what to do with it. God's got it. Um, And I feel like there's been such a stigma put on money to where people don't want to talk about it because that's my money. That's what I make. That's, you know, that, I don't want you to think I'm, think I'm better than you because I may have more money. That's, I feel like that's Satan's way of putting his thumb on you to hold you there to make you continue to think that you got it. Um, once we open up and realize that God's got it, there shouldn't be anything scary to talk about because it's not yours to begin with. And, and, and I know we're out of time, but I will keep this quick because this is my favorite part of my story, but... Um, after I went home, I hadn't told Brad about the, the, you know, the little click in my head when you said that God's got this and and we're sitting at the kitchen table and, and he, 
just out of the blue slides his Bible under my, and it's open up to Malachi 3.10. And it's a verse that we all know very well, and it's a verse that, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard a hundred times, and I've heard it a hundred times, and I've said it, but it, I, I read it so different, and I don't know if God was saying to him, your wife needs to see this right now. Show her this right now. But he did, and it says, bring the whole tithe into my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have enough room for it. It then immediately clicked, and I even told him that. I said, oh my gosh, blessings aren't money. That's not always finances. So in my mind for so long, I was thinking like, okay, I'm giving, you know, I'm giving the Lord my 10%. Why isn't he giving me 20 back? <laughs> you know, I want to give you a 20 and I want you to give me a hundred back. That's not what God means by blessings. And I think that so many people get frustrated because of that. We, looking around at just our personal lives, we have three amazing children that we prayed for years to have um, you know, and like I said, I didn't realize God would open those floodgates so quickly and give me three in six years. Um, but they're awesome and they're really great. We have a beautiful home to raise them and we have an even more amazing church family to raise them in. And those are the blessings that I think that we overlook and that we take for granted and almost expect God to give us. So that was just a, like a clear moment for me. Hold your breath. I love, you. I love you. I'll tell him to take a big whiff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> Can you put that? Hey, you guys, I, I, I promised that I would show you God's ultimate rescue plan. Um, and maybe 10% freaks you out. Um, that's okay. Start with something, anything. Please don't come before the Lord with, with empty hands. I mean, whatever you want to start with. Because here's the promise of Jesus. He says, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, here's the foundation on which that is built. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever surrenders to him, to Jesus, will not die. How does that work? But have everlasting life? Here's how it works. Look at the text. God is so rich in mercy. That's a big blessing. That's my favorite blessing is his mercy. And he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, that's how we die, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. And so the wisdom book of the Bible, book of Proverbs says this, trust. It's a test. Trust in the Lord with all 100% of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You ain't that smart. Seek his will in all 100% that you do. He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. So, um, I'm going to pr pray over you, and I'm going to ask you to do what Tiffany and others have done uh, before you. Um, you're welcome to bring this insert filled out that you, I'll take the 100-day challenge, see what God does, 
Um, I, I know he'll deliver and you'll find him faithful. You're willing to bring it right to me, slap it in my hands. I'll say to you what I said to her, I love you. You're awesome. God's got this. Or if you're too shy or now you know that my deodorant is failing, there are baskets at the door. Just drop it in the baskets and you leave. But if you'd stand right now. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.